You're listening to the Podmania Pro Wrestling Podcast. Just a sample of the best pro wrestling podcasts we could produce on our tiny budget. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, at Podmania, YouTube and Instagram, at The Real Podmania. If it's wrestling you want, check out more of our great content at www.podmania.weebly.com. Let's do this. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Podmania podcast. I'm your host Rob Goodwin and I am once again joined by a very cold-ridden and snotty Garth Jackson. How are you my Thank friend? Thank you. <laughs> Not too bad, yeah. Got my lemon sip, so I'm alright. <laughs> <laughs> is that your drink of choice for this podcast? For this one it is, yeah. It's not beer this time. Oh dear, that's uh, <laughs> that's depressing. <laughs> But we are extremely happy to be back and talking about Ring of Honor, episode 364, and Impact from the 6th of September. First thing to note is the fact that my audio is fixed, thank Christ. I apologise to anyone that had to endure our podcast last week with Mr. Gainy Gain over here. Uh, it was a terrible, terrible sound coming out of my microphone, but it's fixed now, so thank you for being so patient. Uh, second thing to note is we are starting our own fantasy wrestling promotion, aren't we, Garth? <laughs> yep. Because doing a wrestling podcast doesn't make us nerds enough. So <laughs> what we're doing is we are doing Fire Pro Wrestling, and I've got a show, Garth's got a show, and Chris has got a show. We've recently done the draft. That will be up on YouTube this weekend. Uh, and then each week we will bring you a show, whether it's mine, whether it's Chris's, or whether it's Garth's. It's going to be good fun. The draft was a good laugh, so I'm looking forward to doing this, Garth. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm spending the last week sort of setting everything up, getting it ready, being totally, totally nerdy with graphics, and yeah, hopefully it pays off. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm certainly looking forward to it. Um, I will just note now, ladies and gentlemen, that Garth, if you haven't, uh, at the point you're listening to this, if you haven't listened to the draft or watched the draft, um, Garth, it almost looks like you've cheated. <laughs> because at one point, me and Chris probably had one main event, uh, one decent main event between us, and Garth ended up with pretty much every top guy. It was, think, yeah, it was alarming to say yeah. the least. And I started sweating. Yeah, <laughs> like, how am I going to get all these guys on one show? If you want to watch a rerun of how WCW went out of business. <laughs> Just tune into Garth's show. <laughs> anyway, enough about fancy wrestling. Let's talk about real wrestling. Now, before I talk about Ring of Honor and Impact this week, I'm going to drop just a little bit of WWE into the fray. Garth, we had news drop just before Monday Night Raw last night that Jonathan Coachman is no more on the Raw announced team. Thank Christ, yeah. someone in wrestling <laughs> heaven listened. Um, he has been put onto the um, the pre-show panel. I believe he's leading. Um, him and David Otunga. God, the fun will never start. Wow. And uh, Rene Young has been put on the commentary table full time. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's not, that can surely only be a good thing. Yeah, I mean, she, she's done the odd bit when she used to do the NXT stuff. Um, it always seemed to work out. I mean, when they used to do the the panel. And they would sort of commentate on the sort of opening match. Yeah. Like the pre-show stuff. And she was always, she knew her stuff. Um, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens if she comments on the Dean Ambrose match. Yeah, true. True. Because but... it's sort of out there now, isn't it? Like they're a couple. 
Well, they're married. Yeah. Um, to be perfectly honest, um, I mean, she's commentated on one match, or she's been on the announce table when Dean Ambrose has wrestled. I yeah. don't think it's going to be a case of, oh, well, she's commentating on her husband. Yeah. I think she'll be professional. She's an incredibly professional human being from I think it could. purposes. It, I think it could play quite well into a story, though. It could. It could, but I hope they leave that for a couple of years. Let Renee oh, yeah, get yeah. her feet, you know, find her feet at the commentary booth. She's, you know, she's a drastic, drastic improvement on Jonathan Coachman. Um, I, I would, no, it would be brilliant if she turned out to be a complete heel colour commentator. <laughs> <laughs> that just wouldn't work. She's too just, nice. Just, just totally healing it up. <laughs> exactly. That's as ridiculous as turning Becky Lynch heel. <laughs> did oh, you no, see, um, did you see Sabu's tweet about it? Do I want to know about Sabu's tweet about it? Yeah. Because if it's it, the same as New Jack's tweet... It when... wasn't very nice. Well, I, for all... For... I mean, basically, Taz put a tweet out saying, congratulations, uh, and then and then Sabu replied to his tweet, basically saying, the, what was it, the, the first non-fag, but a long line of cocksuckers. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Eloquent as ever in his language. So someone's never going back to WWE. <laughs> well, I think we pretty much knew that. That might be the final nail in the coffin, but good grief. Um, so, yeah, overall, good news. Um, yeah. I think that Rene offers a lot more than Jonathan Coachman ever did. Why they gave Jonathan Coachman another chance, I'll, I'll never know. But good news, and hopefully it's the first of many, many good commentary outings by Rene. Um, going back to... Our forte at the moment, uh, Ring of Honor and Impact, a good week of wrestling, Garth. Really good, yeah. Both, I mean, watching both the shows when they ended, like both times, I was sort of surprised because there seemed a flyover. There was no, wasn't really any filler in any of the shows this week, which was good. No, I think it did help, especially with Ring of Honor. We only had two matches, but mm-hmm. in 51 minutes, obviously, we had a 30 minute Iron Man match. And, you know, that was obviously the central focus. Um, when I started watching, I did think, are they just going to make this episode 30 minutes and just build it around this match? Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously we had all the matches, we had other backstage segments, things like that. Um, but overall, I thought both Ring of Honor and Impact delivered this week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. We'll get into Impact very, very shortly. We'll start, as always, with Ring of Honor. But I just want to quickly say, um, I know I slam impact quite a lot for the way they structure their show um i often say that you know they they focus far too much on backstage segments or you know they'll still have two marquee matches left and there'll only be 10 minutes left in the show because they've shoved in about 25 backstage segments all of which don't really matter um i thought this week you know as you said garth it went very quickly it was good wrestling when it happened and with one notable exception which we'll get into and I just, I really enjoyed both shows. Yeah, it was good, yeah. And, you know, we had, well, let's start with Ring of Honor. Ring of Honor, episode 364, taking place from center stage in Atlanta. We cut straight to a brawl in the ring. We were due to have Frankie Kazarian and Mark Briscoe in singles action. Obviously, the Addiction are taking on the Briscoes at Death Before Dishonor, and obviously, uh, was it last? I think it was last week. We had Jay Briscoe taking on Christopher Daniels. 
Um, so this is sort of the next logical step in the rivalry between these two. Um, it was a, you know, it was, it was a solid match. It did what it needed to do. And I think I thought, go on. Yeah, it actually was quite. I thought I'd missed the opening. I did have to rewind it to be fair, just just to double check that I hadn't missed the opening. <laughs> um, but Ian Riccoboni just said that obviously the the brawl had spilled out into the ring, which uh, is a nice way to cover it up. Um, yeah. But you know they went they went. It wasn't just a brawl. Uh, we had. Kazarian hitting a lung blower followed by a code breaker, which was quite nice. Sort of a springboard yeah, code breaker, which was really nice. Um, the one thing that I will, that sort of, I won't say it irritated me because obviously this is the next instalment of a feud of, an, of a much bigger picture, um, was that this was a match clearly set so that the ending could take place. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously the ending was more important. Um Jay Briscoe makes his way to the ring, attacks Kazarian, um, or distracts Kazarian, I should say. Uh, Mark Briscoe goes to the top to hit a froggy bow. He misses, and Kazarian rolls him up with a crucifix for the victory. Um, after the match, Jay Briscoe then attacks Kazarian. Kazarian, um, his partners, Christopher Daniels, Scorpio Sky, make the save. And then Punishment Martinez arrived. Um... With an awesome choke slam. With an awesome <laughs> choke slam, the South of Heaven choke slam is a pretty, a pretty substantial choke slam. But when this first happened, I was like, "Has he just wandered into the wrong arena? <laughs> is he just like, oh, there's a fire getting on here?" And then obviously, uh, the commentary team did a fantastic job of um, sort of backtracking and explaining why Punishment Martinez might get involved. They talked about how. Um, Scorpio Sky came and saved Chris Saban yeah. after, um, after Punishment Martinez's beatdown. Um, so I assume at some point we will be getting the Briscoes and Punishment Martinez taking on SoCal Uncensored. Yeah. Um, question. At the moment, heading into Death Before Dishonor, which is on September the 28th, I believe, mm-hmm. um, with the Briscoes standing tall here, which they did. Jay Briscoe hit the J-Driller on Scorpio Sky. Uh, Martinez hit Daniels with the South of Heaven Chokeslam. I mean, do you see the Briscoes holding the titles? I mean, we have discussed this before. Yeah. Has your so opinion contracts changed? And things. Um, I don't know because it's honestly one of those ones where it could go either way and it would work either way. Mm. But like both sort of outcomes would serve a purpose to the story. Um, I just, I don't think with Martinez they'll win the titles, the Briscoes. I think it'll come when it's just the, the four of them. Mm. Not a six man. Well, Martinez um, is in action at Death Before Dishonor taking on Chris Saban. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, we talked about before on the podcast about the storyline with SoCal Uncensored needing the titles to effectively keep their jobs. Yeah. Um, so would it make sense to do it this early on? You know, we've still got, what, three months until the end of the year. Yeah. It would make a lot more sense to, you know, drag that out a bit. So 
in my opinion, I see a screwy finish happening. Yeah. But one that makes sense storyline-wise. Mm-hmm. I mean, if Punishment Martinez isn't in the match, if it isn't a six-man, and it's sort of the addiction with Scorpio Sky elsewhere, something's going to happen. I think at the moment, at the moment, it is just the addiction taking on the Briscoes. Right. So... I think if that's the case, maybe Scorpio Sky gets involved with Punishment Martinez's match. Then something happens with the tag match. The one thing I would say there is, is that too much or too many screwy finishes in one show. Yeah. And you know, Death Before Dishonor is a big show for Ring of Honor as well. Or you've got, obviously there's always, there could be some sort of backstage attack or something like that. Potentially. There's there's lots of different angles that they could go down. Yeah. Um, but Which yeah, that's that's what's good. It's keep, sort of keeping us guessing. Yeah, exactly, exactly. There are lots of different things they can do, which is good. Um, the commentary team then say because of the thirty-minute Iron Man match, obviously we haven't got chance or uh, we haven't got the ability to show you a full match. We just don't have the time. So they showed us um, a clip of the aftermath of a triple threat tag team match between the Bouncers, which mm-hmm. is Beer City Bruiser and Brian Milanas. Uh, the Dogs, which is Rhett Titus and Wilt Ferreira, and then Cheeseburger and Ryan Nova. Now, we don't actually see the match. We see the the aftermath, let's say. Um, the Bouncers have won at this point. Cheeseburger goes to check on uh, Ryan Nova when Ferreira attacks him from behind. The Dogs then double-team uh, Cheeseburger. Um, Ferreira hits Nova with... The that palm strike fish, I think it's called the Shotai. Yeah, it's um, pinched off Liger. Yes, it is. Yeah, Liger used it quite a lot. Um, and then there's a lovely sort of underdog image where they're holding Cheeseburger, and as Ferreira, who Cheeseburger <laughs> used to tag with, um, attempt was about to hit another Shotai, Cheeseburger spits in his face. <laughs> Um, and Ferreira hit him with the show tie. So, yeah. just like an odd segment. It's like an odd part to show. <laughs> I know a couple of months ago, uh, Cheeseburger and Ferreira were a tag team, and for all intents and purposes, I think they were a job a tag team. Please correct me if I'm wrong in the comments. Mm. But um, that feud sort of went a bit cold. Um, I'm not entirely sure. Um, why? So they're yeah. obviously returning to it now. Yeah, they, I mean, they did mention that. that, that they said something like, uh, how long is this feud going to continue or something like that? Yeah, so it's obviously been bubbling underneath, but now it's being brought back to the surface, which is fine, which is fine. Cheeseburger oh. makes me laugh. <laughs> um, we then had a little bit of backstage action from the growing heat between Bully Ray and Silas Young. We went back to two weeks ago after Flip Gordon was attacked by Bully. Um, And then um, we sort of had the confrontation between Silas Young and Bully after their tag match the other week. I think that could could be a good match if they have a match. It could be, yeah. Um, I just hope, beyond hope, that it's not just going to be a a screwy finish, which obviously it's going to be with Bully Ray and Bully Ray's current (laughs) character and him being a pure-ass heel. But I just hope that we get a more substantial match out of the two. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, we then moved on to tonight's main event, the 30-minute Ironman match for the Ring of Honor World Championship. We had Jay Lethal, the champion, taking on Jonathan Grisham. What do we think, Goff? Um, I enjoyed it, but the one thing that I've got it written down, um, I've got too many dumb slaps. <laughs> there were it a just, lot of slaps, to be fair. It just started... Really, sort of, sort of grinding on us, um, as if they didn't, as if they didn't have anything to fill those gaps. They just every opportunity they were just giving each other like a slap or a knife edge. Or, um, I mean, there was a nice moment when they were doing all of this, and obviously they were playing the whole sort of respect each other role. But then Lethal just seemed to go full on heel and do like a sort of neck jab. We sort of chops him in the throat. Yeah. I mean, what I've got um, written in my notes is that for 20 minutes, you know, of a 30-minute match, 20 minutes were telling the story that Lethal mm. and Gresham, there was nothing between them. Yeah. A lot of it was catch wrestling. Colt Cabana talked to us a bit about uh, catch wrestling. A lot of it was chain wrestling. A lot of it was mm. mat wrestling and reversing I, each other's like, holds. I enjoyed all of that. I really, like That was really good. And... Yeah. You can see where sort of Gresham's real skill is in the whole sort of basically sort of targeting every part of your body. Yeah. Um, I mean, I enjoyed um, Gresham's attack of the arm. Mm-hmm. Obviously, without the arm, lethal can't hit the lethal injection. Yeah. Um, you know, Grisham showed ridiculous strength as well. He had a deadlift German suplex. Which is, you know, no mean feat. Jay Lethal is not a small man. No. Um, and then the one thing I thought, what well, I thought at one point we were going to go full Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels and go nil nil. Yeah. Um, until like the last couple of minutes. Um, and that my theory was sort of cemented a bit when Grisham trapped Lethal in the octopus hold. Yeah. Um, and Lethal tapped out, which I didn't expect. Mm. Um, don't get me wrong, I did expect Grisham to get the first uh, fall. But I thought it would be far earlier in the match. Yeah, it was like right, it was like three minutes before the end, wasn't it? Yeah. he. The, this was when the match really took off for me. The drama, the way the commentary team was selling it, the way they were telling Grisham just keep out of his way for the next three <laughs> minutes. Hide under the ring. Hide under the <laughs> ring, I think Gold Cabana said. Um, but you could see it in Grisham's face. Grisham did a fantastic job of selling it. Um, however, Lethal clicked into gear here. Mm-hmm. Um, he locked in the figure four leg lock, which he seemed to be in for ages, Grisham. Yeah. He seemed to be in it for absolutely ages. And with 90 seconds left, he tapped out. And at this point, I was like, there is absolutely no way the title is changing hands. I mean, to no. be honest, at the start of the match, I didn't think the title was changing hands. But not, No, not on, a, like, not on a TV show. No, but, well, saying that, Jay Lethal won it on a TV show. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, that really got me invested in the storyline. But once that happened, I was like, I was really deflated. I was like, oh, God's sake, poor Grisham, he just can't catch a break. <laughs> um, but for the next 90 seconds this made me laugh where Grisham just kind of lost his head and just attempted to pin Jay Lethal about 50 <laughs> times yeah. with Lethal repeatedly kicking out 
Um, it was eventually declared a draw, which, good grief, the crowd did not enjoy that, did they? No, because, I mean, all through the match, you could hear the crowd getting sort of... It started off really quiet and sort of slow, and I suppose that's... I mean, that's the sign of a good Ironman match. The crowd increasingly, increasingly invested, and they're getting louder and louder as it goes on. Yeah. I mean, at the end there, when he was in that figure four, you could hear everyone, like, screaming at him. So it really made the... It, it helped the whole sort of the overall feel of the match. Cole Cabana made me laugh here. He said, oh, you can't boo this. Yes, you uh, can. Yeah. This is the one outcome that everyone can indeed boo. <laughs> um. Anyway, with it being in Grisham's home state, Grisham grabbed a microphone, said that, you know, there's no way that the people here should be treated to a draw. They should have an outright champion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Lethal, if you are the champion that I think you are, you'll give me five more minutes. And because of that respect that Jay Lethal obviously has uh, for Jonathan Grisham, he just said, start the clock, and we mm-hmm. started the clock again. <laughs> which we had three minutes then of near frantic action. It was brilliant. It, it was, was really, really good. It was fantastic. We had So many counters and near falls. Just, yeah. Yeah. Really good. There's two main bits here. Lethal hit a torture rack and a flying elbow, um, which I did think would be the end. Uh, Grisham mm. kicked out. Um, Grisham then locked in a sleeper hold, <laughs> um, which the crowd was exceptionally into, but Lethal got out of that. With a it was cutter. good how um, they sold that, the commentary team, because they said they made it, the move sort of sound powerful. The, the fact that he'd um, sort of made quite a lot of other people tap out with it. But they said, because the toll the matches taken on it, couldn't grip it in properly. Yeah. And that obviously helped towards sort of the reason why Jay Lethal could kick out of it, which really, really good. Like, I think the commentary team really did a good job with this match, especially. They did. I mean, whenever Caprice Coleman is on commentary, I don't really see what he adds, because for me, he just does the same job as Cole Cabana. But... I, I did really appreciate the commentary team here. Like I say, that last seven, eight minutes of the actual, you know, the ordinary time, that was fantastic. And that was in part due to the commentary team doing such a good job. And the yeah. same here for the overtime. Uh, eventually, however, Lethal showed his championship pedigree, uh, hit the lethal injection for the victory. 33 minutes and 30 seconds. Uh, the show ended with both men receiving a standing ovation from the yeah. crowd. Um, my overall thought, this didn't need to be an Iron Man match. No, it could have just been an all match. It could have been because you could have cut the 20 minutes of chain wrestling, catch wrestling. You know, wonderful display as it was of their wrestling talent. Um, it felt a bit flat until about 22, 23 minutes. Yeah. Um, Pretty much until the deadlift German suplex. Yeah, and then they had the they had the the part where Grisham came out of the corner and just had a series of sort of really really good sort of counters, and then the bit where um, Giolito went for the lethal injection, he sort of kicked his hand away, just all that sort of thing. I just thought it was really really sort of you could see Grisham is like a really really smart wrestler. Yeah, and. I certainly hope that we see more of him in the title picture. He will have a title. There's there's no doubt about that. They're putting a lot of stock in this man. I was, well, right I was watching so. it. I was watching it and I was thinking, all the way, I was like, 
he was reminds me of someone and I can't think who. And then when he did the um when he did the deadlift sort of power um power slam, I just thought it's Dean Malenko. <laughs> That's He's like Dean Malenko. High praise indeed. High yeah, praise like, indeed. Like sort of quite squat but powerful. But with moves for for any occasion. <laughs> yeah. I mean to be perfectly honest, I thought if I had to give the match a mark out of ten, I'd give it seven and a half. Yeah. Um, I thought the overall structure was good. I just think it didn't need the Iron Man stipulation. Yeah, because with an Iron Man, you always, I mean, every Iron Man that I've seen, they always have this feeling out slow burn for the first quarter of it. Yeah. Um, but, but for a match that was built on respect, and I think the chops and the slaps, the, to me, that's an. It's quite an insulting move. It's a bit like a sort of slap to the face. It's like Ric Flair used it as it was one of his main heel moves. And I just think when the, the train slaps all the time, it doesn't, to me, that doesn't invoke a sort of feeling of respect. No, I think it was a case of, right, we have respect for each other, but let's see which one is tougher. Yeah. And... I don't think the chops bothered me as much as it bothered you. Um, I don't. I mean, I like a good chop, but it just—it seemed to sort of for every chop, a series of chops that did it sort of lost its. I don't know meaning. It didn't really mean anything. It didn't help that Grisham's chops were a lot softer than Lethal's. Mm-hmm. I don't think that helped. Um, but I feel like we're being slightly pernickety here. This oh, was yeah, yeah, yeah. this was an excellent match, a really, Rest, really good yeah. match. Wrestling wise, it was really, really good. Yeah, story wise, it was good as well. Yeah, they've done a fantastic job put piecing this match together. We are being incredibly pernickety. <laughs> uh, blame it on Garth's cold. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so anyway, uh, we move on to Impact Wrestling now from the sixth of September. Um, I don't know how many more shows we've got from the uh, Rebel Center in Toronto, but I hope it's relatively soon we leave. Um, <laughs> I because... think was... Did they not see it next week? Well, now, Garth, I believe, I could be wrong, <laughs> I believe that there are some Mexico tapings coming up. That's right, yes. Um, now, yeah, I'm just trying to think if I've made that up or if I've seen an advert for it somewhere. I think you might have seen it subliminally because it's shown every third frame. Yes. On an impact show. Good <laughs> To be fair, I will say that they toned it down a lot this week. Oh yeah, yeah. Last definitely. week we had four adverts for it, which was just obscene. And the UK shows as well. The UK show, which apparently was an absolutely amazing show. And uh, we're one that I'm going to try and check out and do a hot take podcast. But um, I've heard it was exceptionally good with um, the Sammy Callahan and Jimmy Havoc match, drawing particular praise. Yeah, I saw some write-ups about that, yeah. Um, But looking at this show, um, all jokes aside, we had uh, five matches. Uh, We relied a lot less on backstage segments. Um, and we let the wrestling talk, which was, you know, when there were storylines that needed to be advanced, we advanced them in the ring, which was the perfect thing. Um, 
the main thing of the show was Moose explaining why he turned on Eddie, Eddie Edwards at uh, Redefined. Um, we got two wonderful segments, which I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. And we have our title match for Bound for Glory, seemingly. Yeah. So we'll dive straight in. We started with a rematch from Redefined between Petey Williams and Rich Swan. Every time I see Rich Swan, I just think he's fantastic. I really yeah. do. Just criminally, really criminally underused. Um, I feel like he was let go far before his time. Yeah, just um, had that misfortunate sort of was it an arrest or something. It was. Who are we to say? But it is. It was an allegation that he had yeah. been abusive towards his wife, or he'd been... I I don't know the ins and outs of it. Um, He was released without charge, it was dropped. Um, But obviously the WWE, the entertainment Goliath that they are, can't (laughs) be seen to be doing stuff like that. Randy Orton! um, (laughs) With his cock in people's hands. Um, You know, but stuff like that. Steve Austin! Yeah, exactly. You know, there's been countless examples of stuff like this that the WWE just gloss over when they feel like it. Um, but obviously Rich One wasn't a big enough name for that to happen to him. So, there we are. Anyway, this match, thought this match was excellent. Yeah. Um, I, I thought... think any anyone who goes in with Petey Williams, they're going to get a good match. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. He's, he's at this, I mean, he's, at this point, he's, he is a veteran. He's, he knows exactly what he's doing. And I think Rich One's a really good sort of, they play off each other really well. They do. It's a, I mean, it's not a rivalry, it's a sort of, Let's see what we can do, sort of match. But exactly, it really worked. It's almost compatriots trying to mm-hmm. one up each other as opposed to yeah. an actual full-on match. I mean, there was two storylines in this match. There was the ma- storyline where Swan would come up with new and ingenious ways of countering PT hitting the Canadian destroyer, yeah. and then there was the more forward storyline of Matt Seidel, who was taking <laughs> a bit of a liking to Rich Swan. Yeah. Um, so, it's quite in, sort of disturbing sort of obsession he has with him at the minute. Yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, He comes on to commentary uh, with Don Callis and Josh Matthews. I thought he was brilliant, by the way. And I thought thought Don Callis was ace with him. I was going to say, him him and Don really, really worked well. Um, Sort of playing off each other. Exactly. And everything he said, um, everything that Rich Swan did, um... Matt Seidel was saying, yeah, that's because he needs to be enlightened. Now I can push him further than this. And in the ring, what was making me laugh was Matt Seidel was saying all these things about how he needed to open his third eye, how he needed to become enlightened, how he needed to follow in his footsteps. And in the ring, Rich Swan was absolutely dominating. <laughs> He'd hit a running shooting star press, which had got him a two count, which had like finished the... Did like a 450 outside. 450 on the outside. He'd hit a Michinuku driver... And as he was going up to the top rope to hit the Phoenix Splash, Matt Seidel went, I'm going to go and support him. I'm going to go and support him. (laughs) Went to go and sit on the ramp, applauding Rich Swan, going, go for it, Rich. You're doing really well. Um, Anyway, Swan misses, obviously. (laughs) Um, And Peter Williams hits the Canadian Destroyer for the win. Um, Really good match. Yeah. Really good. Really solid opener, yeah. Yeah, it was. It wasn't too long. And I thought this stood up next to their redefined match. And the story 
worked with the match as well. It did. It did. Um, we then cut backstage, and Rich Swan is pissed. He's <laughs> not impressed. Um, he sees Matt Seidel. Matt Seidel um, basically just says, I'm going to show you the way. Rich Swan says, if he sees him again, he's going to beat the shit out of him, basically. <laughs> Stay the hell away from me. Which, yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, we then get our second match. I was extremely impressed at this, Garth, because by the 20 minute mark, we were in our second match. I know. When does this ever happen on Impact? <laughs> um, they've obviously got something. Somebody's told them, shit, we've got some stories we need to advance. <laughs> exactly. So we had the Desi Hit Squad, introduced as always by Gama Singh, taking on the team of Joe Hendry and Grado. See here. The Desi Hit Squad got a really, really good, bad reception. They did. Got, like, loads of booze. They did. Which is what you want. They did, and they did have some good tandem offence as well. Yeah. Um. Question. Your first yep. impulse. Do you see the Desi Hit Squad as tag team contenders? Not really. No, I don't. I see them. I mean, they're a decent tag team. Um, But as Joe Henry points out in his song, they don't even wear the same gear. That's true. I think we should talk for a moment about Joe Hendry's entrance song, his custom <laughs> entrance called Platonic Love, which genuinely I laughed for about 15 minutes. I laughed the majority of the way through this match because I found it so just ridiculously funny. Um, I mean, he called the Desi Hit Squad, what was it, the Desi Shit Squad or something? I can't remember what it was, but... Just because just you mentioned they don't wear the same yeah. pants or something. How can you be a good tag team when you don't even wear the same gear? He called them the Desi Shit Squad or the Desi Shy Squad, I can't remember. 